Well, we have been on a journey through the book of Joshua since September. Um, Hard to believe we've been going at it for that long. Uh, We've got this week, and then we'll be concluding next week as we look at these incredible stories of of God calling his people to be strong and courageous and uh, to see his people be obedient in that and to see God uh, for God to fulfill his promises in that. Um, today we get to the climax of the story of Joshua, this, this moment where uh, everything is turning to this point. It is the capstone of Joshua's career. Uh, he gathers together the people and gives this uh, message to them, this message from God, and, and ultimately this call to action, this, this call to response. Uh, He is concerned very much about the people's exclusive worship of God. And this is what he draws them to. And so we're going to be in chapter 24, if you want to be turning there. Um, Tom Chappelle was the CEO of Tom's of Maine. Uh, it was a company that, uh, that, a company that does uh, natural toothpaste. You may have seen their brands. Uh, after he had been at it for quite some time, he was, he was 43 years old, and he had just guided the company through massive expansions, and they had seen great success as a company. And he got to this point where he had uh, more money than he knew what to do with, and uh, the company was going very well. Um, but rather than feeling satisfaction and fulfillment, he was feeling drained both emotionally and spiritually. He had gone through all of this work and was just kind of left with not knowing what was next. And all of his business associates said that the typical, uh, the typical advice for a person in that is to sell the business, buy a sailboat, and travel the world. You've got the money, get, get, get out of the business, and go have some fun. Uh, but that wasn't quite the right direction for him. He heard uh, a a simple question from his minister's wife that said, what makes you think Tom's of Maine isn't your ministry? And so it caused him to reflect on his business dealings and his work and say, what if this business is not a business, but what if this business is actually my ministry? And so he decided to stay with the company and not sell and buy the boat. And instead, he went to Harvard Divinity School and went into a theological training. So he worked out an agreement with the company where where he would spend half the week in Maine doing CEO stuff, and and the other part of the week he would be in Cambridge, Massachusetts doing theological stuff. And this is the two worlds he lived in. For four years. The business ran just fine while he was away, and, and he even had co-workers that suggested he stay at the seminary more and uh, keep, keep praying there. Stay in seminary and pray. Stay and pray was their message. And sometimes that's the message that we need, right? To stay and pray. And so he did. He, he stayed and prayed. And four years later, he graduated with his theological degree, and he asked one of his professors to come with him back to the business and and to craft a mission statement and a roadmap for their business that would incorporate the moral and ethical and theological principles that he had gone through at Harvard Divinity School. And so as a result, Toms of Maine 
promise to honor all of its commitments to its stakeholders, including employees, owners, vendors, consumers, the community, and the environment. It drastically shaped the way they did business. They adopted a plan that, that was committed uh, to starting a series of partnerships. Uh, every year, they would, they would start three partnerships that would promote the common good such as saving America's rivers or community gardening, gardening or supporting a local dental clinic for the poor. Tom challenged his company to decide what sort of business it would be. One driven only by the bottom line and profit, or one that would have an allegiance to a set of values and direction and mission. And so we get to our story today as we look at Joshua chapter 24. Let's start in verse 1. Then Joshua assembled all the tribes of Israel at Shechem and summoned the elders, the leaders, the judges, the officials of Israel, and they presented them before God. Joshua said to all the people, this is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. And now God speaks. Long ago, your ancestors, including Terah, the father of Abraham and Nahor, lived beyond the Euphrates River and worshipped other gods. But I took your father Abraham from the land beyond the Euphrates and led him throughout Canaan and gave him many, many descendants. I gave him Isaac, and to Isaac I gave Jacob and Esau. I assigned the hill country to Esau, but Jacob and his family went down to Egypt. And then God continues to lay out for them all that he has done for his people. He has sent Moses and Aaron to free his people from Egypt. He has brought them into the land of the Amorites. He has given them the promised land. So God reviews, this is what I have done for you. And then in verse 14, Joshua says, Now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Because of what God has done and who he is, serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods your ancestors worship beyond the Euphrates River and in Egypt and serve the Lord. They've picked up a lot of gods along the way. And he says, throw those away and serve God only. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable for you, there's a choice here. If it's not desirable for you to serve God, if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods of your ancestors serve beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. There is a decision to be made. Who will you serve? You can't have it both ways. You can't say, ah, I'd, I'd like some of this over here and some of this over here and some of this over here. You say, no, you have to make a decision. Who will you serve? It's your choice, but you've got to make the choice. You can't sit on the fence. And then we have this most famous line from Joshua. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. 
Now, this sounds like a great uh, piece of wall art or a refrigerator magnet or something that, that is on a bumper sticker that says, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. This sounds like something that we can declare, but, but in the context here, Joshua is asking for a significant statement of faith, belief, and commitment to the lordship of God. Says, regardless of the gods that you have picked up along the way, regardless of the things that are, are vying for your attention and your commitments and your allegiances, I am going to set my family apart and we will serve the Lord. Will you join me in that? Continuing in verse 16, Then the people answered, Far be it from us to forsake the Lord to serve other gods. So they're saying, Yes, we're, we're, we, we're in. We are not going to serve other gods. It was the Lord, our God himself, who brought us and our parents up out of Egypt. They remember where they have been. He's the one who performed these great signs before our eyes. He protected us on our entire journey and among all the nations through which we traveled. And the Lord drove out before us all the nations. They remember what God has done. And they say, we will serve God. We will serve God. Joshua said to the people, he knows them a little too well, Joshua says to the people, you are not able to serve the Lord. He is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your rebellion and your sins. If you forsake the Lord and serve foreign gods, he will turn and bring disaster on you and make an end to you after he has been good to you. That's all the part that's not on the refrigerator magnet. Who will you choose? Because if you choose incorrectly, which you're entitled to do, if you choose incorrectly, there are drastic consequences to that choice. Who will you serve? And Joshua gives them a warning. If you make the wrong decision, or if you're not faithful in your commitment to your decision, there will be consequences. But the people said to Joshua, No. We will serve the Lord. They reaffirm this commitment. They say, we will serve the Lord. It's not ambivalent. It's not double-minded. It's not wishy-washy. It's not sitting on the fence. We will serve the Lord. And then Joshua said, you are witnesses against yourselves that you have chosen to serve the Lord. You've heard each other say it. You're going to do it. Commit to it. You've made this covenant with one another to hold one another accountable to this. Be a people of your word. You're a witness to one another. Yes, we are witnesses, they replied. They've been given several opportunities to get out of this. But yes, we commit to this. We are witnesses. Now then, said Joshua, throw away the foreign gods that are among you and yield your hearts to the Lord, the God of Israel. And the people said to Joshua, we will serve the Lord our God and obey him. On that day, Joshua made a covenant for the people, and there at Shechem he reaffirmed for them decrees and laws. And so we look at this moment where Joshua gathers the people together and says, who will you serve? It's a question that's presented to us every day. 
as we walk through life, as we get into business interactions, as we interact with our neighbors, as, as we go to school, as we deal with our spouses, as we deal with our children, we, we are confronted with this question every day, who will you serve? Will you serve your own needs, wants, and desires? Or will you serve the desires of God? the mission of God? Will you be faithful to what he's called you into in in being a part of his kingdom? Who will you serve? We can call it the Joshua principle. This question of who is your Lord? Who do you serve? What is of first importance? We see Joshua as this aging leader who, who Uh, is challenging the people to decide. Get off the fence and make a decision. Do what God has called you to do. Stop being wishy-washy and ambivalent. Stop stop keeping that one thing over here that you want to hold on to. Let go of that and let God be the only God in your life. Get off the fence. Decide today, who will you serve? And the people are at this crossroads. They've been given the land, the promises have been fulfilled, and now they've got everything great for them. They've got their land, they've got their homesteads, they've got their, their retirement funds, and their vehicles, and their vacations, and their activities. And all the things in life that make things really fun and comfortable, they're, they're presented with this as, are you comfortable and are you going to continue just living the life that America has told you that you can live or are you going to reorient your life into a kingdom way of living? Will you orient your life into a way that God calls us into? Because even today, we're confronted with these gods that want our attention, that want our allegiances. The desire for more, the desire for status, the desire for reputation, all of these things are are getting in the way of who we're going to serve. Will we serve our bank accounts? Will we serve our careers? Will we serve the priorities of the American dream? Or will we make a God who completely turns the social world upside down Lord of our lives? We will serve him only. A God who has a lot more to say against the religious elite than for them. A God who has a lot more compassion for the least of these. And harsher words to say, for the middle-class, wealthy, status quo. Choose this day whom you will serve. We have said as Christians that we serve Jesus. And I wonder if we really know what it means. Do we know Jesus? Because he calls us into a pretty radical way of living. And we're going to dive in in December in looking at who this Jesus is that we claim to follow. 
Because postcard, Christmas card, Jesus is not it. Jesus comes in as a radical. Choose today who you will serve. The people respond with a firm commitment of allegiance. We will serve the Lord our God. We will obey him. The challenge of Joshua that he issues to the Israelites, it confronts us today. Whether we're at the top of our industry like Tom Chappelle or we're struggling to make it in the ranks of someone else's business, whether we're students or homemakers or retirees or workaholics, wherever we find ourselves in this social structure, we're confronted with this question that says, who will you serve? And we must choose whom we will serve and what king and what king we will serve. And it's a choice that doesn't just affect our Sunday morning life. It's a, church, it's a choice that affects all of our lives. It's a choice that affects how we function at home. It's a choice of how we function at work, how we function at school, how we function in our neighborhoods. Toms of Maine becomes this instructive example for us that shows that, that making a prophet doesn't have to be the only mission of business. That the, what the world tells us ha- is to be valued it does not have to be the values that we adopt. It does not have to be the values that we represent. Do we desire status? Do we desire financial gain? Those are the things that culture tells us are important. But whatever whatever situation you find yourself in, whether it's your finances, whether it's your relationships at home, whether it is some other context, will you make this decision to follow Jesus? What are our priorities? A few of us may be like Tom Chappelle, who has a position to craft a corporate value system, corporate goals, completely recreate a workplace. Most of us don't find ourselves in that as an option. Most of us have no choice about whether or not we will work. A lot of us don't have choices of where we will work. But we have the same challenge Joshua puts before us, what kind of people will we be in those contexts? Who will we be? What will we be? Whom will we commit ourselves to? The answer to that is not a secondary decision in any way. It's it's not something that is a part of who we are. It is everything that we are. Most of us will spend about 250 days every year in our workplace, Is that just a workplace or is that a ministry? What are the values that we we have as, as workers, as participants in that? And so while we may not be able to to influence the overall corporate mission where we work, we can do little things along the way. We can make personal decisions about how our Christianity will play out into these contexts. Does does who you serve make a difference in how you interact with your coworkers, in how you interact with your neighbors, teachers, students, 
family members? Are we committed to following Jesus in that? And like, like Tom, will we make our workplace, will we make those places places of ministry? Here's another example from Cleveland, Ohio. There's a mail carrier named Bill Merriman. It's a great last name for a mail carrier, right? Merriman. He was featured uh, several years ago in the city's newspaper because of how he engaged in his work. Someone had noticed that he was doing a lot more than just delivering the mail. He was interacting with people in a way that was way beyond his pay grade, way beyond his job description. Most of his time was spent sorting and delivering mail, but he also took time to listen to the people that he came across and interacted with. He, just listening to the people on his route was a big help to the shut-ins that he encountered, but he also offered more specific help. He, he aided some recent immigrants in, the, in his delivery, delivery area in finding English language tutors. He became this networking place where he would discover someone who had a need here and an ability to fill that need here, and he would connect the two together. He referred battered women to places where they could find shelter. He um, served families who uh, spoke different languages, and so he would learn Spanish so that he could interact with those families. He carried out a list of social service agencies in case he needed to refer someone to that. After a letter carrier in a nearby route saved a toddler's life, he decided that he needed to take CPR so he could be in a position to do the same thing. One day he found a business that needed a secretary, and around the corner he found a woman that was needing a job, and he connected the two. There was clearly more to his work than just what he was employed to do in delivering letters. There's another example of a, a moving crew who was moving a, a ministry family in Pennsylvania, and with he had such great care in, in how he would pack up the items and move these items. And he said this, he said, moving is hard for most people. It's a very vulnerable time for them. People are nervous about going to a new community and about having strangers pack up their most precious possessions. I think God wants me to treat my customers with love and make me feel that I care about their things and their life. God wants me to help make their changes go smoothly. Here's a person whose job is to pack people and move them, but he sees his mission as helping people make the transition go smoothly. It's a different way of looking at your work. And so as we go through our, our day-to-day things, who will you serve? Will we view our, our roles and our responsibilities through a lens of God that wants to love and care for people? Or will we just go through our job descriptions as they're laid out? One man put it this way, he says, In a job, you give something to get something. In a ministry, you return something that has already been given to you. A job depends on your abilities. A ministry depends on your availability to God. Joshua had made himself available to God. 
his, his life and his work was dedicated to what God had called him to. And as he's nearing the end of his life, he's, he's calling the people to do the same. Will you and your household make a choice that says we serve the Lord? It's not a real complicated question. It's got a simple yes or no answer. But it will drastically change your entire life as you say yes to God and yes to his call on your life. Choose this day whom you will serve. Let's be standing together. We want to spend some time in prayer and encouragement for one another. As we think about areas of our life that we have yet to surrender over to God, or there, are there things that we need to, to take off of our plates or off of our priorities to say, yes, I'm serving God. I'm going to serve God in my marriage. I'm going to serve God in my workplace. I'm going to serve God in my neighborhood. It's not going to be about me. It's not going to be about my selfishness. It's not going to be about my desires. It's going to be about what God has called me to and being obedient into that. And so I want to encourage you to come down front and pray with one of the shepherds, or you can pray together as a life group or as a family. I want to encourage you to, to share your needs and your requests with somebody so that we can pr be praying with you and for you uh, during this season that you find yourself in. If you want to make this confession that, yes, Jesus is Lord, I am choosing today as for me, I'm going to serve the Lord. If you want to make that confession publicly through baptism this morning, we would love to walk through that with you this morning. You can come down and, and chat with, with me or one of the shepherds as well. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for the blessings that you give us. We thank you for the message that you give us. God, we hear these words of Joshua, whom will we serve? And God, we choose you. We don't always know what that means. We don't always know the full extent of that, but we choose you. Continue to show us what that means in our lives as we walk that out every day. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.